This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see you out tonight. Bless you, bless you. I, I don't think you're crazy for being here, okay? I, I, I really don't, and I hope you don't think I'm crazy for being here. Uh, I'm getting whacked pretty good, guys, right now by people who kind of believe we are, but again, I, I, don't, I don't want any of you to feel like you have to be here. Uh, I'm, I'm not here to judge or condemn, okay? And if people don't feel good, don't come, but... I can truly say this. I've never had in my heart to cancel this, okay? And so, you know, I know some people, they, they have the thought that I'm crazy for doing this and I'm putting people's lives in jeopardy. So, again, you can tell people, he didn't put a gun to our head and tell us we had to be here. We want to be here. So, again, I love you. I, I want you to use wisdom, okay? That's our goal. And so, if you need a Bible, raise your hands up real high. Um, unless Jesus comes back between now and Sunday, we'll be here Sunday, okay? So I'm not going anywhere. Praise the Lord. And I, I believe that God's going to move in these nights. You know, it was really a blessing last night. If you need a Bible, get your hand up real high. If you're a guest here, we're honored to have you with us. But it really blessed me last night. We had one of the largest attendants we've ever had on Tuesday night prayer. And it was all ages. And it just showed me once again, there's still people who believe God. There's still people who believe in prayer and in the name of Jesus. So, again, we're going to give you some nuggets tonight on the Word of God to help you. I'm going to start tonight with Malachi chapter 3. This is pertaining to our tithes and offerings. Just a great passage here. This start in verse 8 this week. And the prophet Malachi said this, Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me, but you say, In what way have we robbed you? And he said, In tithes and offerings. Both of those are plural. Tithes and offerings. And because you've robbed me in tithes, you are cursed with a curse. You are under a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, when I, I read this at times, people get upset about this. So you're saying I'm cursed with a curse because I didn't honor God with my tithes and offerings? Well, it may have came out of my mouth, but God's word is what said that, okay? And so when I look at what he's talking about here, how, how do I put God first in my finances? Well, the, the answer is very simple, but also very difficult. Because not many people will step out and do this. But when we talk about the tithe, it literally means a tenth. A tenth. So I like to say it this way. Whatever comes into my hands, whatever increase I get, that first tenth of that goes to God. Now you say, well, why would God do that? Well, it's all about his heart. God doesn't need your money, and, and it's not about God, but it's about you and it's about me. And it's about an obedience that God says, man, I'm going to tell you right now, it takes great faith to step out and do this. So he goes on to say there, in the tithes and offerings, you're cursed with a curse, for you robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse or the house of God. There may be food in my house, and try me now in this. Some translations say, prove me now in this. Do you know it's the only time in the entire Bible that I can find where God says, try me or prove me? Now you may say, what does that mean? Well, in the Stormy Swan paraphrased edition, that means I double dog dare you is what he's saying. 
Step out by faith and do it and watch. Now, I'm going to get into a little bit more of it each week to show you biblically why the significance of this is. But when I read what he says, there was a time in my life where I I had to put myself into that passage. And I had to look at it and I had to evaluate my life. And you know what I came to the conclusion? I was a thief and a robber. And because of that, I I walked in a self-imposed curse. And so for 24 years of my life, I tried to do it my way. I tried to do it the world's way. And it left me broke, busted, disgusted, and never to be trusted. So me and Shelly came to a conclusion, we better step out and start believing God. We believe God in every every other area of our lives. We believe God for salvation. So why don't we let him be our financier? And here I am, just about five years later, and I'm just kidding, it's 35 years later, a little older than that. But God's word is true in this area, okay? God, God still moves under this covenant. Well, let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray, I pray in this area right now that your word soak in every one of us. We love you and we thank you. You're a God of truth and we give you honor for that in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Again, I know there's millions of ways to give here, but there are offering things on the sides back here in the back if you still do it with a seed envelope. All right, before we get in the Word, boy, I got some announcements. They're, they're really, really wanting you to help us, okay? They're asking when you check your children in. Be sure that only one parent is there. We're just trying to safeguard stuff. I will tell you this, that we are taking all the precautions we can to kill every germ that gets up. And so uh, tonight, once your students that are in the youth group, they're dismissed. They will not come down these hallways. They're going to go outside the front building just to keep them out of the hallways, okay? And so we appreciate you helping in that area. Also, uh, the faith closet is going to be open tonight, so be sure and pick your kids up. Uh, You can follow us on social media, whatever that means. I don't have a clue. You know, I really don't. When people ask me about I don't know. I'm not sure. And then, uh, again, we're beginning to get close to the Easter celebration. So we believe God's going to move in all this. So we bless all of you. Again, I know this looks different and everything, but God's still on the throne, I promise you. If you got a Bible, go with me to the book of Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. Let me tell you a little story on me today. Uh, I was in here praying at lunch, and... I, I was so warm and pleasant out that a lot of times I just kind of like to open the doors and bring some fresh air in here. And uh, I got ready to close the doors, and I was right out here by our gym. And I closed this one door, and I thought, man, that door made a funny noise. So I shoved that door again, and it didn't make that noise again. And all of a sudden, there was that crazy, I mean, a funny noise. And I thought, what is that? I start looking around, and I realize, oh, my gosh, there was a dove who came in the door. <laughs> so I got a dove in the church, and so I ran and closed the gym door and these doors. I thought, that's the last thing I need, him flying around in here. So I said, Lord, you got to help me. i, I got to catch this dove before service tonight. So I, I pray this is not all in our security videos. It might be a, a, a good one. But I got this big old long pole, and I started working him, and I thought, I got him now, and I got him where he was moving And that rascal, he missed the doorway and went down the other hallway. So I kept getting closer to him and closer to him. So thank God for the Holy Spirit. I came up with this brilliant idea. I got a trash can in the lid. And I had the lid as my shield in case he tried to come at me. I was afraid of a dove. 
And I got real close, and I said, Lord, help me. So I got that trash can over him, and thank God he flew up in there. And I got him outside, and he lived, and he made it. So if you see, if you see dove feathers around here, those aren't angels, okay? That's, that's me messing around. So God has a sense of humor even when I pray. Well, we're going to jump into a thing called authority. I think it's very timely in this. But remember, and if I didn't tell you, you're going to Ephesians 2. Um, the word authority, it, it literally means delegated power. The power of attorney. And when we talk about delegated power, the, the value always depends upon the force behind the user. And so when I talk about that, I always use the reference of a police officer. And you know, a police officer, he could be standing at an intersection, and if he had his hands in his pocket, you know, you would just drive. You'd probably obey the law a little better with his presence there, but you would just drive and go past him. But once that police officer did this right here, what would you do? You'd stop, especially if you're real wise. And then when he does this, what do you do? You go the way he's telling you. Well, that's delegated to power and authority. That that police officer knows because that badge and what the government or the state, the city's invested in him, he has that power. And so part of tonight is I want to get us to a place biblically where we just don't know about the authority we've been given us, but we actually know it. There's a difference between knowing it and knowing about it. So we start in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses or sin, or better stated, we were doomed in sin, that was every one of us, he made us alive together. And how did he make us alive together? By Christ or with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. By grace, you have been saved. Now, that word grace there, it describes undeserved kindness by which salvation is given. By grace you have been saved. A couple verses down in verse 8, it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself. It is the gift of God. So when I read this, that I've been saved by grace, understand that has nothing to do with me. In other words, I cannot take credit for that. And so he says, it is the gift of God. So if I was to offer you a gift, what would you do? In order to take that, you would receive that. And hopefully, once you receive that, you would say, thank you. But grace has nothing to do with me or salvation. The only part I play in it is whether that I receive that or not. And so we've been saved by grace through faith. And all of us that are saved by grace through faith, I say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Verse 6, and he raised us up together. He picked us up together. And he made us sit together. And he set us down together. Now I want you to, to, to think about this in this term right here, this thought. That he, he raised us up together and he made us sit together. Who? Who? Those of us who are saved by grace through faith. So I want you to understand, if that is you, if you can say, Pastor, that's me, I'm saved by grace through faith. I received Jesus as Lord of my life. I've been raised up with him, 
And I've been made to sit with him, where at? In heavenly places. So when I see this place in heavenly places, this means I've been placed in heavenly means, or better stated, the authority to be there. So I got curious when it talked about in heavenly places, and it literally says this, that it's, uh, heaven is his glorious perfection. Heaven's perfect. And authority. So because I've been saved by grace through faith, he raised me, he set me together in these heavenly places. Guess what that means? I'm in his authority also. And so he goes on and says at the end of this verse, he's made us, raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places. How? In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Now, later on, we're going to get in a passage of Scripture, and it will literally talk about the Lord Jesus being the head, and the church is the body of Christ. That's us. That's me and you. And so think about this in this sense. The head and the body go together. You can't have the, the head without the body, and you can't have the body without the head. Now, this is coming to come into play, but I want to review something in verse 5 and 6. On three different, uh, three different occasions in this verse, he used we're together in Christ Jesus. The first one he said in verse 5, he's made us alive together with Christ. Spiritually, I'm made alive with Christ. So that's talking about in his resurrection. Then he says, and he's raised us up together, which literally means it's his ascension. We're raised up to the, and then he said, we sit together in heavenly places. So this is his present rule at God's right hand. Now, I want you to see every bit of that. That's what happened to each one of us when we were saved by grace. God moved us into, into positions that we're not even aware of a lot of times. So the Bible is saying, I want you to become aware of this. Now, turn to Colossians 1. And, and as you go there, the reason I'm taking you there is because in the passage we just read, it cross-references to Colossians 1. Colossians 1, verse 13. Ooh, this is good right here. He has the Lord Jesus. Not that he's going to. He's already done it. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. One translation I really, really like said, he has rescued us completely from the power of darkness and he's conveyed or transferred us into the kingdom of a son of his love. Now, when you see this right here, the last part of that is he's conveyed us into the kingdom of his son of his love. It literally means authority. We have been placed in a position of authority. Now, a couple weeks ago, we talked about this my authority and your authority is all invested in the name of Jesus. Every bit of it's in the name of Jesus. That's why Colossians 3, 17 says, whatever I do in word or deed, I do in the name of Jesus. So part of the goal tonight is to get us to understand I've got authority and understand the name of Jesus. And my goal is I, I pray every one of us in here get a revelation or a fresh, fresh revelation of just what we sang. The power of the name of Jesus tonight. I still believe in that name and I still believe it's all powerful. Now, flip back with me to, to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I didn't, I didn't take you there when we were in Colossians 1. But I, I will tell you this. 
that in your own study, just, just start in Colossians about verse 11, 12, and 13. And in verse 12, it's where it talks about that he's given us an inheritance because we're the saints of God. Because we're children of God, we've got inheritance. And then he gets into Colossians 1.13 where he says he delivered you out of the power of darkness. When I, when I was in my early 20s and I, I was dominated by alcohol. I mean just really, really, really dominated. Where it controlled me. I, I got where the Apostle Paul said this. He said the things I don't want to do, that's what I do. And the things I don't do, that's what I'm, or don't want to do, that's what I'm doing. That was me to a T. And so I, I found this scripture here in Colossians 1.13. The authority. The authority. And he said, I, I've delivered you from the power of darkness. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. So I'm meditating on that one day. And I begin to look and I realize when he says he has delivered us from the power of darkness. That, that was past tense. Think about this, guys. Jesus has done everything he, he needed to do. It's already been. He's not going to the cross again, okay? He doesn't need to. Amen. He did that once and for all. And I like to say it this way. Every one of us in this room, we were bought with a price and paid in full with one sacrifice. And with it came a warranty that only he could make. Ooh, it's a good warranty. It's an eternal warranty. So I begin to read that. He's delivered me out of the power of darkness. Well, the darkness in my life that had... It, it, it had got me in a headlock. It had controlled me. It was alcohol. And I began to look at it and I said, he's delivered me from the power of darkness. That means he's delivered me from the power of alcohol. So I began to speak that. I'd say that. I'd say that. I'd say that over and over and over. Thank you, Lord. You've delivered me from the power of darkness in Jesus' name. I just kept quoting that. Did you get set free the first night? No. It began to be a process, but it began to widen out from, from drinking on numerous times each day. It would go to every other day. to go. Before long, man, I began to notice, man, God's moving in me. God's moving in me. God, I, I say this for two reasons. Number one, the word of God will work, and the name of Jesus has power and authority over any darkness of your life. Amen. And so I, I got set free because of the name of Jesus and I stood on the word of God. You know in Ephesians 6.13 it says, when you've done all you know to do, then stand. Well, when he talks about that, you've done all you know to do, and he says stand, that, that doesn't mean just to stand. That means I'm, I'm standing on the word. I'm standing on what your word says, Father God. And so again, today, there's days in my life that I realize that authority of Colossians 1, it still works. It's still alive. Now, I told you to go to Ephesians 1. Look with me in verse 15. And we'll begin right there. Now, I'm going to go a little bit in this, in this chapter here, okay? Therefore, I also, after I heard of faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Now, when he says, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, you know what that tells you? Those were people that got saved by grace through faith. That's who he's talking to. So the Apostle Paul right here is talking to us as born-again believers. Verse 16, and he says, And I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, when I read this in one translation, it talked about, I, I give thanks for you and I don't cease uh, praying for you. It literally says, confessing for you and praying for you. 
And so I looked at this and I thought, this was Paul's prayer for the believers at the church of Ephesus. And so I got this thought. If Paul was praying that for the believers, can we pray that for believers? I want you to watch this right here because I encourage you to pray this over family members, but I encourage you to pray it over yourself. So what was he praying over the saints in Ephesus? Verse number 17, now watch this. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom. Wisdom is practical and workable principles. How many of you need here could, could use some practical and workable principles? He's praying wisdom over them. And revelation and revelation, and the word revelation there means clear perception and understanding. So he's praying for them for clear perception and understanding in the knowledge of him. Well, I don't know about you. That, that's a great prayer. Lord, I, I, I pray for revelations. Grace me knowledge and understanding of him. So what I found in my life, the more I know about him and the more I act on him, the better off I am. And so this was his prayer for the saints. Wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Verse number 18. And the eyes of your understanding being lightened. That your heart would be enlightened to the word of God. I pray that over myself. I pray that over my children. And there's days after day, I pray that over you guys right here. I'll sit there and pray that, Lord. That the eyes of their understanding be enlightened. Now watch what he says here. That you may know. That you may know. Not just that you may know about it, but you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So when I looked what he was praying for them, that they would get understanding of what their calling was, they would get understanding of what their riches were. Did you know you got some riches? And that you would understand and know your inheritance. Now again, when I looked at all this, I think, so if the apostle Paul would pray that over the believers, what would happen when we begin to pray that? Oh Lord, I welcome that. Verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? The passion says this, the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. So he says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? So as a believer, there's, there's some exceeding greatness of his power toward us that we got to get a hold of. To us who believe. And he says according. Now when I see the word according right there, it literally means to the same measure or to the exact degree. That same greatness of his power, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Verse 20. Which he worked or exerted in Christ when he raised from the dead and he seated him at right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality 
and power and might and dominion. And when you see those words there, far above principality, power, might, and dominion, those are literally talking about ruling authorities, devils or demons, okay? And I want you to get something there. What he said about the Lord Jesus, he put him far above. Far above. Do you know all the issues in our world is caused by the devil? He's the author of confusion. John 10, 10 says he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Do you know this coronavirus? It's from the devil. It's signed from the devil. Anytime there's killing, stealing, and destroying, you can always guarantee who it is. But I hold fast to this right here, that he said that Jesus is far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And look at this. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but the name that is in which to come. Did I read that right? His name is the name above every name. His name is the name above every name. If it's got a name, it's under the name of Jesus. It's under his feet. Remember, he's, he's far above principality and power. And so I'm, I'm giving you a little bit of kingdom nuggets here, okay? The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Ooh, read that again. And he put all things under Jesus' feet and he gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Ooh, the supreme authority is what he's talking about here. Which is his body and the fullness of him who fills all in all. So when I look at what he's talking about here, this wasn't to a select few, but this was, this was to the body of Christ. So if you're born again, you are shown right here to be in a place of authority above all these powers. So right here, he's given us his name. And if you highlight that again, the Lord Jesus, the head, and he said the church was his body. Well, when you think of the church, he's not talking about this building. He's not talking about this sanctuary. What's the church? It's people. It's us. So you know what Jesus said? He said that the very things that I'm above, the principalities and powers, the rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places, I'm far above him. And he said, God's put every one of those under his feet. And then he said, to the church, to the church, to me and you. So you begin to see some patterns here that, man, I've been made to sit together with him. I'm raised up together with him. I'm alive together with him. Every bit of that comes back to this. Jesus is the head and we're the body. And sometimes we think, even though we're born again, well, I, I just don't think he would do that for me. I don't care if you feel like you're the fingernail on your pinky. See that finger there right there? It's still part of the body. It's the, and so guess what? I, I, I don't know. How many have ever lost a, a fingernail? Just that little bitty one. I'm telling you, it hurts. You realize real quick. How many have ever had a little splinter in there and you think, dear Lord, it feels like I, I, I need stitches. And a little bitty. 
See, the reason I highlight those things is sometimes we, we look and we think ourselves as insignificant. Understand, he paid a price for every one of us. And he said, I, I've caused you to be alive together with him. You're raised with him. You're seated with him in heavenly places. And, and so Jesus didn't die just to say, well, it's going to get you to heaven. And I'm not downplaying salvation. But he wants us to walk in victory on this earth. So how does that look? Well, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And I want you to see something here because... In this passage here, it's going to talk about the apostle Peter and John. This guy named Peter, this is the guy who, remember when Jesus rose from the dead and he was alive, 50 days after that was Pentecost. So probably within 70 days of that, somewhere in there, maybe even closer to to five days. The timing of this, Peter's the one who rebuked Jesus. (laughs) You're not very smart when you rebuke Jesus. But Peter got filled with the Holy Spirit. And and watch how, watch how God begins to move in him. Acts 3 verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which would have been 3 o'clock. Jewish custom, they prayed at 9, 3 and sunset. And a certain man, you may want to highlight that, a certain man. It doesn't say a child, it says a man. I don't know how old, but he's a man. Lame from his mother's womb. He was born lame and was carried whom they laid daily at a gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who enter the temple. So when I read this here, this gate that was called beautiful at the temple, it was one of the favorite entrances to the gate. I believe this man was strategically placed there because he knew this was where the majority of the people would go. Now again, This was a man who was lame from his birth. So this was his daily pattern, I believe. Every day they'd lay him out there by the gate. Verse 3. Who seen Peter and John about to go in the temple and he asked for alms, or better yet, in our translation, he'd say, hey, can you spare some change? And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. Now, can I highlight something in there? This doesn't mean Peter and John were poor, okay? Some people have used that right there and said, see, God wants you poor. No, when he said, silver and gold have I none, you know what he's saying? Silver and gold are a great treasure, but it it doesn't hold a candle to what I got. And he goes on to say, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Whoa. What if it doesn't work? See, this is where we get back to, it's one thing to know about the name of Jesus, and it's another thing to know. I mean to know. So when I see this with Peter right now, this is the man who'd rebuked Jesus and all of a sudden, there's a boldness. He he knew the power and authority of the name of Jesus and so he said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Verse six, seven. 
And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet hit and his ankle bones received strength. Oof. So he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Now I bet you hadn't walked ever since you were born and you see this guy, the dude says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk and all of a sudden your ankles are strengthened and you rise. Yeah, there's going to be more than walking and leaping and praying. There's going to be some skipping and some twirling. Verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. So what begins to take place in these next few verses? They begin to question what and how this happened. Verse 11, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John and all the people ran together to him to the porch which is called Solomon, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why do you marvel? You know what he's saying? It's not a big deal. It is a big deal to me. I'm looking like, oh my gosh. He says, why do you not marvel at this? Or why look so intently as, as though by our own power or godliness, we made this man whole? So what's he talking about here? He's saying, don't look at us. We're just men that have understood how to walk in the delegated authority of Jesus Christ. Well, preacher, man, God doesn't do those things anymore. Don't you know that? Well, it's interesting. My Bible says in Hebrews 13, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever God. I still believe he does those things. So we go to the same chapter, verse 16. Now watch how Peter explains this, okay? And his name, get this, and his name, which we know is the name of Jesus, through faith in his name. Through faith in his name. So what would faith be, man? I, I got to believe that when I speak that name, something's going to happen. When, when, when Peter, when he spoke the name of Jesus and said, rise and walk, he didn't look around and knock on wood. Get your fingers crossed. No, he, he gives us the insight here and he said, and his name through faith in his name. So I remember years and years back, I would begin to read this and I would read stories of great men of the Bible and great men that have lived this earth and I would see how they would flow in the name of Jesus. And the more I would study the word of God, the more faith would begin to rise within me. Do you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you some of you, this guy's name. His, his name is David Hogan. Write that name down and YouTube him, okay? David Hogan, just like it sounds. Why do I highlight that? I've been listening to that guy recently, actually the last several months. 500 documented cases of raising people from the dead. <laughs> He's a Cajun. He's from Louisiana. God uses people for, yeah. Just begin to get a thing on the name of Jesus. And his name through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him 
has given him his perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So Peter right here, he attributed the, he attributed the healing to no unique human power, but faith in the name of Jesus. And so the use of another person's name to declare legal rights is called the power of attorney. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, there's many, many, many mornings that the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. The Bible said, pray for them in the name of Jesus. If you're born again, that's you. I welcome my wife, I tell her all to lay hands on me in the name of Jesus. Lay hands on me in the name of Jesus. And begin to believe God. And so I see this right now. That the name of Jesus can rise up in every one of us in a time of great fear. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Psalm 91. He's given his angels charge over us. Keep us in all our ways. Thousand will fall on my side, ten and thousand on my right hand shall not come near my dwelling. I believe that scripture still. I do. I stand on Romans 8 2. I said that on Sunday morning. I believe 2 Chronicles 7 14. When my people pray, my people who are called by my name will humble and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. I'll heal their land. See, God's just ra- he's waiting for people as they come. God's not the problem, and the name of Jesus is not the problem. And so I go back to this. And so even this time right now, in 2 Timothy 1, 7, it says, God hadn't given you a spirit of fear. I've been in situations in the last week when this corona stuff would come up. I'm telling you, it was like the whole place I was at, it suffocated with the spirit of fear. I haven't been seen fear or experienced fear like this since 9-11. But God hadn't given us a spirit of fear. He said, I gave you a spirit of love and power and the soundness of mind. So when he says there that he called a fear a spirit. And if I go back and read, he gave us authority over principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, dominion, all of that. And so again, that spirit of fear. So there's times in my life when fear tries to rise up in me, I'd say, shut up in Jesus' name. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, not in Jesus' name. And so just right now, I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet. You pass, you preached really well. We're going to keep you around for another week. I just like to tell people the truth. We'll feed your faith and starve your doubts tonight and put the things of God in you. And so I, I just want, you know, right now that if, um, if there's any, any, any type of sickness in your families, in you right now. Let me just pray right now. You feel, feel free to raise your hands to heaven, okay? We're just honoring God here. Father God, you said to use the name of Jesus. You said the name of Jesus is the name above every name. And so, Lord, right now, all over this room, the house of God, the people of God, we speak divine health. Lord, we say what you said. No sickness nor disease will come near our dwelling. And we thank you, Father God. We thank you for that provision of that right now. Lord, we ask that you move with divine healing right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we speak the name that's above every name, even the coronavirus. Lord, we pray blessings on the people of our city. We pray blessings on the, 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 the nation, the globe right now. Lord, we ask that you supernaturally cause that virus to die globally in the name of Jesus. 
Now, Lord, right now in this room, and you, you don't have to raise your, you can keep your hands raised up. You're not acknowledging that I'm telling you this. But, Lord, we address the spirit of fear right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you that we do not have to be dominated by fear in any, any area. In the name of Jesus. There's ones of you that are, are, are kind of, in, not kind of, you're in fear with your children right now. Oh, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, make your request, be made to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. I pray that over you right now. I pray, Lord, we pray peace in our city. In the name, bless right now in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for that name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ooh, praise the Lord. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.